1: On Buffalo What's Next today, a conversation with four members of a special team representing Buffalo in a major national competition. We'll be talking with Ja, Johnette Warren, Eskew, Hydea Walker, J.B. Stone, and Benjamin Brindice. They're part of a team of poets assembled by Puring Poetry of Buffalo the great local promoter of Poetry Slams.
5: Hello, How's it
1: going? It's going great. It's nice to have four guests in here because we won't run out of anything to talk about, will we? Um, (laughs) You know, uh, okay, first and foremost, you're going to this Southern Fried competition. This is a big deal, right? This is a big national competition. Who wants to give me a little
7: background on it? The Southern Fried Poetry Slam Festival, uh, like we've been saying, is a like nationally recognized poetry slam where teams come from all over the country and some poets even come internationally to compete in not only the team side but also the individual side of this festival. It's running for 31 years and is looked at right now as the leading uh, spoken word poetry festival in the country. So we're looking forward to being able to represent Buffalo at it.
1: And Ja, you were at last year's event. right. right. Describe what you saw.
3: So for me, first of all, um, because of my medical history, it was the first trip that I had taken um, without a family member um, in years. Um, So I was really nervous going, but the atmosphere was so welcoming. People were really like looking out for each other. The poetry was amazing. Um, just being around that level of creativity was inspiring. Um, it was, it was a great, it was a great experience. Like I couldn't wait for this year to roll back around so that I could try to get back on the team (laughs) and go again. Um, it, it was, it was brotherhood, sisterhood. It was just, you, you get to hear different people's perspectives from all over the place. Um, people really pouring their hearts into their poetry and supporting each other in whatever it is that brought them to the stage. So it was really it's a it's a whole vibe. it It really is. It's a whole vibe. And then even outside of just the the bouts, just getting to hang out with the other poets and network with one another and you know try to create future projects with each other just watching all of that take place
1: To get to the Southern Fried Competition the individuals on the Buffalo team had to compete and win at local poetry slams and they were ready to go with the work that'll be on display this weekend in Tennessee
6: My name is Hydea Walker the piece that I will be reciting is called Bad Girl Perhaps I was dense You see, I once dreamt about that big house and white picket fence. A life saturated in love languages, but I ain't speaking French like we. Yes, we, my future husband and me, I mean I, plus five. Because I always wanted a big family. And what do you know, behold, I achieved the ultimate goal. At least that's what we've been told, but now the narrative's old. You see, most women go their whole lives just praying that they can get chose because women's biological clocks are saying our 30s is old. And so our 20s are spent trying to get our ish together and looking for a man to love us forever. Half the time, settling and stuck, just knowing that you can do better. And damn it, I think that that ish is sad, girl. But I guess that's why I'd rather be the bad girl than to be doing bad girl, the non-traditionalist, the ish effing mad girl. And I'm not mad, but I am a bit disdained that literally our whole lives we've been trained that you gotta be the good girl or he won't want you. You gotta be the good girl or society won't comfort you and meanwhile, self-proclaimed alpha men get a pass to behave as adolescents as opposed to counterparts. But I'm supposed to just trust you with my heart. You see, I'd rather be alone than heartbroken. You must realize that my presence alone is a token. But when you're not with it. They want to try to stigmatize you as the bad girl. When in reality, I'm just a multifaceted woman who occasionally does bad things and bad thangs. You see, in this life, you got to take the yin with the yang and all I'm simply trying to say is that there's just more to life than only being a man's wife. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, it's nice and it's cute and it's sweet and it's necessary to sustain the nuclear family. But you see me, I'd rather it prosper organically. Because in the meantime, this bad girl got big dreams. I'm accomplishing some big things. And if I just so happen to encounter your ring, then that's a milestone, sweetie, not a goal. And so to my lovely ladies, screw what you've been told. Good girl, bad girl, please don't sacrifice your peace for a please, And please take care of your souls. So my poem is titled "Bad Girl," And it's so funny because I wrote it um, 2018. I did not have a child back then, and I was not a mother back then. And so even back then, I was I was just tired. I was tired of feeling shamed uh, from society, feeling that there's one way, to be a woman and this is one way that's acceptable. And if you're not this way, then there's all these respectability politics in play. And so at that point in time, I just wrote it saying like, if that's the case then, if, if me not abiding by the societal rules that you have in place for me to police me, then I'd rather be the quote unquote bad girl than to be doing bad. Uh, because that's that's what a lot of people who were, a lot of women I, I, I was just talking to at that point in my life, they were all going through, say like they were married or they were having like children and they just felt really stuck, like they were sacrificing parts of themselves. Um, and I just, I, I felt for them and I was just like, you know, I am going to choose authenticity and my path might be different.
1: Your poem, have you pre- you've performed mm-hmm. it in public before? Mm-hmm. How is it connected with people? I'd mm-hmm. like to know what the kind of connection was <laughs> to that.
6: The women are like, yes, say it, and then some men are like,
5: not <laughs> ah, this guy, I'm snapping for you all the way. And then
6: I look for the men who are like, okay, yeah, and those are my people. So I'm like, cool, <laughs> <laughs> nice, excellent. But um, you know, it's 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 it, it means a lot more to me now, recently, um, because now that I'm a mom. I find, I find that I was starting to try to force myself into those boxes when I was with my partner. Um, I wanted that White House and picket fence, right? And, and I was trying to uh, essentially be someone that I wasn't to try to appeal to this facade that he wanted of me.
1: We are hearing from the four poets forming the Buffalo team competing in the Southern Fried Poetry Slam in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is Buffalo What's Next on
5: WBFO. Hello, my name is J.B. Stone, um, and this is my poem entitled Atypical. I was not your neurotypical kid growing up. Atypical was more along those lines. I used to reimagine all the taunting, all the laughs from those looking in. Because I was their sad clown crying out. Because I could hear things a little bit louder than everyone else in the room. Because even though I would try to be at a 2, when I was told to bring it down from a 15, I'd turn the knobs of my personality meter the opposite way and bring it up to a 20. Because I would have public mental breakdowns where my quiet ramblings would descend into intense screaming sessions i am still not your neurotypical man i am still atypical because my spectrum is always changing its labels because i still overthink everything because i still say sorry way too much even when i know i shouldn't Because even though I've blossomed into a social butterfly, my wings still crackle and break apart every time I try to fly too high. Because dating to me is like a social kamikaze where I plunge myself out only to watch life and love blow up in my face. But you want to know something? My brain is beautiful. Because it's not bound by a spectrum. Because those with autism should be respected and loved for being themselves, not abandoned and loved for being different. Because I am not your statistic, and I will not let this define my whole. But I will still let it define a part of who I am, because it's a part I take pride in. Because no one is normal. And one day, we all will die. So I plan till the rest of my life being me. Because over a poet, a storyteller, a friend, a son, a brother, a lover, the best I can be in this lifetime is me. Is it one word,
1: atypical, or is it It's just one word. word.
5: Uh, Yep. Uh, So, yeah, um, atypical kind of came about. um, Don't want to question the definition of an anthem poem because some anthem poems can be overtly motivational But some of them are like a lot of poems that come from uh, a personal uh, bridge of space and that they are just about identity itself. And to me, Atypical is an anthem poem. It's a little motivational, but it's also talking about defining the very facets that, that have posed the challenges of being autistic. And I can say I was lucky enough to be diagnosed at a very early age. I was diagnosed when I was five. Um, and I have friends who were diagnosed very late in life and ended up screwing them over. And for me, obviously, I still dealt with a lot of stigmas because when I was I, – I still remember being in elementary school and having the teacher announce, hey, this is Jared. He's in our class. He's autistic. He's autistic. It's the 90s. No one is like clapping or ready to give you a hug. They're ready to beat you in the schoolyard uh, within an inch of your life. And that happened to me. So multiple occasions. So but a lot of the time, my autistic energy has been, I guess, a lot of people embrace it, but also a lot of people don't. Um, My energy and my story also doesn't represent the entire autistic community. There are people who are the complete opposite in the autistic community who aren't loud, who are like very soft. And I want to make sure that's respected, too, and that also is clear that there's clarity on that because um, no community is a monolith. Right. Um, But for me, the point is being able to tell my story of my disability and my perspective on that disability um cuz it's you don't see it as much in slam poetry and although i am so glad to see that it's growing every day i don't see it as much in literature to be perfectly honest so it was very important for me to bring that poem to life and for me my anthem is saying hey i'm not your cup of tea but guess what you still have to dr- you still have to drink me at some point <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Excellent. So, atypical is just a part of that.
1: You're going to the Southern Fried Poetry Slam Festival. It's in Knoxville, Tennessee. There's four of you. How are you getting there? We're driving. You're all driving, driving (laughs) driving on down. All hopping in a in a a van with a lot of love, or you got separate Uh, vehicles. uh, It's a
5: rental car. We got (laughs) to save that gas. Ben's gonna. Ben already (laughs) agreed to take one for the team. Although I, I said I'd help too, so.
1: All right, so we're driving.
7: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a nice little road trip uh from Buffalo down to Knoxville. It should take us you know just around twelve hours or so. And what we get to do during that period of time is you know commiserate over the travel, but also you know form more strong bonds leading into the tournament um having done nationals uh and you know different types of team tournaments over the years the biggest thing that makes or breaks the experience is whether or not you have a positive attitude about who you're going with Um, one of the best parts of doing these things at all is that we get to export buffalo poetry to other places it's Mm -hmm. not just about you know us getting and going to network with other places it's about going and showing like hey buffalo is a place you should consider
5: absolutely coming yeah. to read
7: come feature at our open mics come feature at you know the stuff that just buffalo literary center is going on put us on your literary map when you're considering where you're touring you know this next year going forward um so you know we take a lot of Uh, pride in being able to kind of go out there, talk to other people, and, you know, bring them into our community through these different means.
1: Benjamin Brindice, who along with Ja Warren-Eskew, Hydea Walker, and J.B. Stone will be representing Buffalo in Knoxville, Tennessee this weekend at the Southern Fried Poetry Slam. This is Buffalo What's Next on WBFO.
3: My name is Johnette Warren-Eskew, better known as Ja, and this piece is called Look What You Did. My spiritual, emotional, and mental journey through systemic lupus and end-stage renal failure. Look what you did. Lost in a cloud of misery, dependent on foolery, crowned with illegitimacy. My past, future, undesired by me. But when you saw me, what did you see? The inability to mobilize my retinas to visualize tomorrows. Captivation ongoing of yesterday's stolen treasures in the head looped. Playing on a private screen, crying out where no one else can peep. Hoping to you, you could hear me. Deteriorating before my eyes. Mercy, I beg so I can drop this disguise. My strength is a lie. Though I got too many alibis. Not that I try, but life. It just won't die. Feeling like every breath, it's you. Massaging the heart, filling the lungs, pushing the blood flow along. What is it you know that I just don't? I let go, yet I still float? Am I really riding on your coat? The weakness in me I hide from, cringeworthy, it disgusts me. A walking contradiction I hide from, yet want to love but don't touch. Want to focus but can't see. Wish to run beneath the legs tweaked. Gotta stay woke, but all I do is sleep. If you was this, you'd weep. Unless my status is what you need. Blindness so I can see. Weakness so I can find strength in thee. Poorness so I can contemplate what richness means. Scars so my flesh no longer limits me. What is it exactly that I'm supposed to be understanding in the midst of this grieving? You? My oftentimes conflicted heart says to you again, Look what you did. Even while I'm questioning these things that I cannot comprehend, like were my why's yeses, were my no's blessings, was there purpose in the pain, was each test to build strength in every battle scar, necessary evidence of every victory. Why do I keep questioning that which I can never fully understand? Trying to rationalize grace or mercy or or favor, trying to figure out how in my brokenness you are still in control, working on my behalf even when I don't know. And now, and and now, look what you did. Through grace, you've planted me, pruned me, shined down on me as my roots grow. I raise towards you, hands lift, eyes fixed. thank yous for you. For seeing the unseen in me, removing blemishes, rewinding damage from crashes, puncture wounds and rashes, rejuvenating with one kiss from your heart to my lips, my first love who don't trip, unconditional, that foreverness. Can't guarantee that I won't slip, but knowledge and plan successfully, that if I do, you got this. Look what you did. You, you made me whole again. In 1999, I had my first flare of lupus, but I wasn't diagnosed until 2006. So for the first six years, I really just felt like I was crazy. You know, I had these symptoms all over the place and you go to the doctor and they tell you, oh, don't be stressed, you know, here's some muscle relaxers. They just kept kind of overlooking it until in 2006, I almost died. I went into acute renal failure and literally had to almost die in order to get diagnosed. It felt like my life fell apart after that. I couldn't go back to work. I had a first grader as cute as, as can be walked over to me and asked me if I was turning into a man because that's how distorted my body was at that time. I was on 80 milligrams of prednisone and so I've got the facial hair coming in. I was so sick that ECMC wouldn't touch me with a 10-foot pole as far as trying to get a kidney transplant.
0: Mm. I
3: had fistulas that failed. I ended up on dialysis for eight years. And I was on oxygen in a walker. When you are in that state and you're struggling to live and have some quality of life because you have this vision of what your life was going to be. And it definitely was not that, Mm. you know, um, There's a lot of mental and emotional and spiritual turmoil that you go through. And um, they wanted to do another surgery. And I said, no, I'd had so many surgeries, so many blood transfusions. And I said, no, I'm not having another surgery short of transplant. And I posted to Facebook. I said, if God wants me here, then he'll make a way. I posted that on a Friday from my hospital bed. I got out of the hospital on Saturday. And on Sunday at 8:15 in the morning, I got a call, and the lady on the other side of the phone said, I think today's gonna be a good day. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cry. But at night I was getting a transplant. And it's like God gave me a second lease on life. So finding my strength in him, um, finding purpose in the pain. Um is is a big part of the journey. And once you find purpose in the pain, it almost becomes okay. It's like now I understand I went through these things so that I can help other people come through these things. And poetry is part of the way that I do that.
7: Benjamin Brindis, a motivational speech for those of us made of cardboard. Have you ever woke up in a shoebox, diorama? Have you, like me, looked out over the water and seen nothing but cellophane in the hand drawn curves of a blue highlighter? Have you ever felt like a cutout? Paper doll. An art installation titled Puppet Sands Strings. Have you ever felt your feet leave the ground? Have you ever come out of your body and been unsure if you can get back in? Has the front door to your soul ever changed the locks on you and not left out the spare key? Have you ever had months where every day feels like traversing uncharted terrain? where the GPS tells you in 0.2 miles how to go to hell, where you finally get to skip to the front of the line, but the line is actually karma's who stopped being a circle and became a line just so it could repeatedly punch you in the face. Have you ever been empty? I mean, spaghetti sauce jar upside down on grandma's kitchen sink empty. I mean wine bottle in a suburban housewife's kitchen empty i mean your entire life was a reel of film that got left out in the sun and there's not a single thing you're able to remember about yourself empty lost is being unable to find one's way it also denotes something that is taken and cannot be recovered so when you are emptied of the things that you can never get back When all the motivational quotes are all context and no content when everyone wants to tell you how much you're supposed to be able to handle, remember, they say not all those who wander are lost, which would suggest that most who wander are. So for those of us who are lost, this is the middle ground of you are strong enough and you wanting to give up is valid the halfway point between a motivational speech and realism, the center ground between some days I want to change the world single-handedly and some days I want to roll myself into a blanket burrito and never see outside again, we were uploaded into an open-world game with no map, few definable objectives, and no instructions. Is it so surprising that so many of us circle around to familiar places and have no idea what we're doing? The cruelest part of this world is that some flowers bloom and die when they could have survived a later season. That some flowers never bloom at all. That some seeds never find the soil to be planted. So if you are still trying to find home, if the world is still set pieces and Sound stages if the North Star is just some light that keeps moving in the rafters, keep going. Or if you can't, or don't want to, set down your bags. Set down on the path. See if you can make it home.
1: So Ben, your motivational speech.
7: Yes. What should we know about that? So the full title of that piece is A Motivational Speech for Those of Us Made of Cardboard. Uh, when I first started getting into um, poetry slam and more generally spoken word poetry, um, one of the main types of poems that you come across is an anthem poem, which is a poem that I've written, that tons of people have written, and it's a really good feeling. It's usually uh, sounds like something like a this is for type of poem uh, where you are either standing up for something, motivating somebody, trying to impart that feeling of you can do this, right? And the older we get, I think in our early 20s, the reason we all write that poem is because we honestly feel that way, right? We think that we can motivate our way out of whatever circumstances that we're in. And right. as we get older, we come to realize that it's like, wow, well, not really, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot more to it <laughs> right. than just having a good mindset. You know, the secret is that. It's a lot more than one thing when it comes to determining why something is the way that it is, not that you can just have a positive outlook on things. And as I got older, I felt like, you know, where's that poem? Where's that poem that's like, hey, man, yeah, this isn't great. And yeah, it might not actually get all that much better. But like, you got to wake up tomorrow because we got to keep going, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot more people feel that way on a daily basis than feel motivated or inspired or ready to change the world. And I think the point of poetry is to try to say, like, hey, this is the thing I feel. Maybe you feel this way, too. Maybe if we talk about it. We could feel differently or something else. Mm -hmm. Um so that's really the reason that I wrote the poem is I wanted to find that middle ground between a motivational speech and realism. Motivational speeches no longer felt like any type of reality to me. It felt false and trying too hard. But just saying like, well, everything's terrible is a defeatist attitude, so we wound up here in the middle. A motivational speech for those of us made of cardboard.
1: You know, I might uh, print that out and put that uh, on my uh, (laughs) cubicle in big letters. (laughs) Uh, Put together by Pure Ring Poetry of Buffalo, this team of poets had plenty to say about their art, its power to communicate and transform, and as J.B. Stone says, their enthusiasm for this weekend's competition.
5: I'm just very excited to be representing Buffalo once again, Um, and I wouldn't be here without people like also here in our own community, like Bianca Elperia McGraw, who, is, who I know has been featured here in NPR and MPBS. Um, 10,000, who, um, if you haven't heard, is one of, who has been a national touring poet since I was still in college. Um, Brandon, our captain here. Um, he's just, they're all incredible influences on my life. Eve. Eve. William, who has been on Afropunk and a whole bunch of other like big sites uh, for promoting black culture. She was a huge, huge influence on my career. I'm sorry for all the shout-outs, but I definitely feel like names need to be named here because I wouldn't be in this room or at this point in my life without them.
1: Jared, Ben, Ja, Idea, thanks very much for joining us. Thank,
5: Thank you. you so much my for having pleasure. us. Thank you so much.
1: This is Buffalo What's Next. We'll be right back, right after this, on WBFO.
0: Check out the Our Town series, produced by WNED PBS, but captured by community members on the Buffalo, Toronto Public Media YouTube channel.
3: Ellicottville is a town of variety, not only in what they have to offer, but the people. The Burlington community is uh, becoming increasingly multicultural, and the library is reflecting that. The
0: parks and playgrounds have been what makes the town of Tonawanda a great place to grow up. The series began in 2003, but it's making its debut on YouTube now. Although some of the businesses and people may have changed over the years, the spirit of these wonderful towns remain the same.
1: We just didn't realize what we had in our own backyard.
3: We need the next generation to protect it and carry on.
0: Learn about Jamestown, Burlington, Welland, East Aurora, and more than a dozen other beautiful communities in our region by watching the Our Town series now on YouTube.
4: This is WBFO, your NPR station. On Buffalo What's Next,
1: we're going to talk about the Women of Color Summit Kickoff. It's uh, being presented by Eleversity on Friday, tomorrow as a matter of fact, and to talk with us, Sarah Taylor, the Community Liaison and Training Specialist for Eleversity. Sarah, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So, Sarah, you know, I saw in your notes here that this is an opportunity to address and discuss systemic barriers inequities and disparities of women in color on a national scale. So let's talk about, for women of color, those barriers that are there for them. Give us what stands out or what you hear probably from a lot of the people at these summits.
0: Well, you know, our summit started in 2018 when I wrote an opt-ed after myself and four other women of color were applying for CEO positions in upstate New York, particularly Rochester and a couple in Buffalo. And so we had the qualifications, we had all of the experience, and one of them was even an interim CEO a couple times, but still got to know. And so I wrote about it in the Democrat and Chronicle. I wrote a story called The Black Ceiling for African-American Females Seeking CEO Roles. And it went viral. And women from all over the state contacted me. Asian American uh, women, other African American women, other, you know, Latina uh, uh, women uh, contacted me and said, me too, me too. I have all the qualifications. I got no. We also cited some data that we know in the Building Movement Project, which is a social movement organization in New York City that highlighted when you look at the non-for-profits in our region, in the state, in the nation, who serve primarily minority populations, and then you look at who's leading them, they don't often look like me. And so we began to just really look at what are the barriers, what are the systemic barriers What does career pathways look like for women of color? Uh, As you know, women of color are one of the most educated populations that there is when you think about obtaining degrees. Uh, But just because you obtain a degree does not equate to a leadership role. And so over the last four years under the leadership, of heritage christian services which eleversity is a division of heritage christian services we are in rochester and buffalo and have a large population of women of color working for us at heritage and so along with other organizations that recognize how important it is to really address these systemic barriers, not ignore them. Uh, when you look at our Fortune 500 companies, not just nonprofit, when you look at uh, for-profit corporations, we have less than 2% women of color leading you know, corporations. And we also know that the average tenured for women of color in corporate ro- roles are less than three years. So why once we get there, we don't stay. <laughs> so uh, we this initiative uh, continues throughout the year, but we have convened uh, since 2019. We had our first summit in Niagara Falls where 150 women came throughout the country in Niagara Falls in person to talk about How do we create better career pathways? How do we address microaggressions and undermining? How do we expose women of color to boards and exposure where we know some of these decisions are made around leadership? And uh, we went virtual with the summit. Uh, In 2020, because of course the pandemic, and then in 2021, and then in 2022, we decided that it was important to have an in-person kickoff because we heard from women and they were like, we need to get together. It's one thing to have this conversation virtual, but we need to get together. So we began to have a kickoff in person in Buffalo, and also I want to highlight bringing allies in the room, white allies, men and women, because you have a role in this. Uh, When we think about who's in power, when we think in who's in the position to sponsor and change policies and processes, it's not always women of color that are in positions of power. So it's important to have allies be a part of the conversation.
1: You mentioned microaggressions. We've talked about that on this program in different scenarios. But what we're talking about here, of course, is trying to get women of color to get to where they should be on an equal level with everybody else when it comes to major leadership roles. So what type of microaggressions are being experienced when going for interviews, going through this process? What are women experiencing?
0: Well, you know, we often hit in the, in this and statistics will show it uh, when women of color in leadership roles, micro are one of the things they experience in the workplace. A lot of undermining their abilities, going behind their back, questioning the work that they're doing, even questioning if they are an affirmative action quota uh, and not really qualified. Um, we also know that pay The pay gap that women of color make 62, particularly black women, 62 cents for every dollar a white male makes. And when you think about microaggressions, some of the things that we often hear in interviews and in leadership roles, we often hear, well, you're just not a fit for this organization. Mm. And we consider that a code word, that that's a code word, a discriminatory undercover discriminatory word. When you say you're not a fit, what does that mean that we're not the fit? We're coming with the experience. We're coming With um, the education, we are coming uh, with all of the coaching, we tend to go through every leadership development training that every community has every community seems to have a leadership development program for emerging leaders of color. Well, while that's good, we're tired of all of these leadership development uh, (laughs) programs because we got the experience and to say, okay, you need this leadership development uh, to make it to the top. And so we often also, I have a friend Uh, Asian-American who has an accent and she is in a leadership role and she is often uh, uh, cited and counseled about uh, her inability to communicate. What does that mean? What does that mean, her inability or ineffective communication? Because if someone is really listening to her and respecting what she says, even with the thick accent you can understand what she means. So we see a little lot of subtle, you know, microaggressions. Well, your tone was pretty harsh or you appeared to be angry or you walked in a room and your subordinates uh, felt threatened uh, by some of uh, the, the tone that that you may have presented. We have seen it all and heard it all
1: tomorrow's the kickoff summit. You have other virtual events moving forward. I guess the idea, of course, I would think to get more people who can also get involved in these conversations as well. Let's just talk about those events that are coming up because if nobody can get to tomorrow's event or if it's already or ends up being sold out, there's an opportunity ahead to continue networking on a virtual basis.
0: Absolutely. We kick off in person and then in the summer we switch to a virtual format there are three Thursdays in the row, uh July 20th, 27th and August 3rd and anyone can register. Particularly because it's virtual, it'll be a two and a half learning opportunity. And we want allies in the space. We want men in the space. We want those in the space that are in human resource positions, leadership, board Members in the space. This is a space where we can all learn and grow. We even welcome college and high school students to learn. Uh, So it is a brave, safe space where we can learn about the experiences as well as the strengths and the talent of women of color it's so important to recognize that we are talented we are skilled we are educated we just need that opportunity and we need to be authentic working together partnering together to address these deep-rooted systemic issues you know when it comes to race relations when it comes to racism When it comes to privilege, you know, it's often a taboo conversation that no one wants to embrace to say, well, no, we've made some progress. Absolutely. Have we made progress? Absolutely. But when you look at the disparities and inequities, we have a long way to go.
1: And the final question, Sarah, you're you're mentioning experiences. And I would think part of those experiences, unfortunately, are frustrations how, what's the message to a woman of color who is experiencing these frustrations, whether it's on a high corporate level or perhaps you mean more on an entry level or a middle level? Uh, what, what's a, a piece of advice, a thought for them?
0: It's important to really that they build a network, build a network, find a mentor, find a sponsor, find someone in that organization that you can trust. You know, even your your human resource department to ask about career opportunities, to ask about what that pathways could possibly look like, as well as some professional development coaching. I think that peer support is that shared experience is powerful having someone else that's been through that could mentor you, that can coach you. But I think it's important that they know they're not alone. They're not alone. There's thousands of us that got to know and that may (laughs) have been rejected along our career pathways right in this region. There's thousands of us. So we encourage you that to connect with us. You know, we're you know, Heritage is on LinkedIn and we have beyond the Women of Color Summit, we have monthly lunches Learns where we have different topics of discussions around removing barriers, and you know, our goal is not just coming around talking about it, our goals. Is- are offering long-term strategies on how we can break down these systemic barriers and advance opportunities. That is our ultimate goal, not to sit around, yes, we got stories, yes, we have frustrations, yes, we have experienced discrimination, you know, microaggressions and it's all, Um, but really finding that support network of peers, a mentor or sponsor that can listen to you, that can listen to your journey and possibly help you along the way is really important.
1: The Women of Color Summit kickoff is uh, tomorrow. And joining us today, talking about it, Sarah Taylor of Elliversity. Sarah, thanks very much for joining us on Buffalo. What's next?
0: Thank you so much. And we look forward to anyone that wants more information. They can go to our website, eleversity.org. The information regarding the virtual events and how you sign up for it is on the website. But we look forward. We continue this work. And in the fall, we will continue the work dur- during Black Women's uh, Equity Equal Pay Day. I believe it's September 21st this year. So we're going to continue this work beyond the um, summit uh, series. So thank you for this opportunity uh, to share. But we have work to do. We have work to do. And we need everyone to come together because we all have a role in this work and learning more about culture, humility, and how we can support women along their career pathways.
1: Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you. You're listening to Buffalo What's Next. More to come right after this on WBFO.
2: Do you absolutely love Masterpiece, Antiques Roadshow, PBS NewsHour, great performances, and other amazing shows on WNED-PBS? But you're not always in front of your TV when they're on. Don't miss them. You can stream the channel live wherever you are in western New York by visiting WNED.org slash live or Use the WNED PBS app.
4: This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station.
2: Welcome back to Buffalo What's Next. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez, and today we are going to celebrate the holiday that is Bashanta Utsav. I hope I, I pronounced that correctly. Uh, I have a longtime member of the Sanskriti Bengali Cultural Association of Western New York, Sudharto Ghosh. How are you, sir?
8: Good. How are you? Thanks for inviting me. Thank
2: you, sir. Thank you very much for joining us. I hope my be- my Bengali is is my pr- pronunciation is is.
8: It's very good. Is it
2: okay? I. I it's very good. I, thank you very much for joining us, and like I mentioned, uh, it's a very festive, very special time of the year for for those of Bengali uh, background and the yes. community. You're a part of this the Sanskriti uh, group, with a longtime member, been in Buffalo now for decades. Four decades. And, yes. And. Before we get into uh, the holiday and 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 what it pertains, how would you describe the Bengali culture? To my understanding, it's 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 an area-based cultural ethnic identity: Bangladesh, West Bengal, surrounding the language. Is that correct? In my assumption. Correct.
8: Correct. Correct. And it's a it's a it's a it's about. Uh there are about 250 million uh, people around the world that uh, speak that language it is uh, the fifth most spoken language in the world uh, so we are we are very proud of, uh, of our cultural heritage because it uh, is enriched with uh, music literature and, and and poetry and that's what uh, this upcoming festival is all about
2: it is the festival of Pashanta utsav
8: yes and yes, it's yes.
2: to my understanding. We, 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 I'm sure, our audience has seen it in one form or another. If they're not familiar with it, uh, because it's very distinguishable. It's it, the celebration involves a lot of dance, a lot of food, but it's a it's a it's it celebrates spring. It's hues, it's colors. Can you elaborate a little bit more?
8: Yes, yes. So this uh, spring festival, uh, which is um, known as Dut Shop, uh this holds a special place on the Bengali community. Uh, The festival took more of a firmer hold in the period of Bengal Renaissance uh, that took place in the 19th and early 20th century and played uh, a crucial role in shaping the social and cultural ethos of modern India. And one of the prominent figures of this period was uh, the famous uh, poet laureate, uh, Rabindranath Tagore. And this festival was revived and popularized by the poet at the university that he had founded. Uh, Tagore introduced this festival to encourage unity, uh, peace, and love among students at the university. Uh, And today, this festival holds a very special place in the hearts of 250 million people around the world uh, who speak Bangla and also to about 30,000 people who are living here in Buffalo. So we are celebrating this uh, festival on June 10th uh, on the stage with music, poetry and dance uh, in Amherst Middle School. And uh, anybody who wants to take a peek, it's open.
2: And like I mentioned, very colorful because part of the the, the celebration, if I'm not mistaken, involves yes. a like a smearing of, of of colored powder, bright red, greens, yellows, all you name it, um, called Aber. Is that correct? Abir. Abi. Yes. 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 And what's the, the meaning there?
8: It's a, it's a renewal of life's different seasons, and every year at this uh, uh, time. We renew our faith uh, in each other and renew our love uh, for others uh, in the world who not only speak our language, but other languages, uh, because we are all connected as one. And many of uh, Tagore's uh, poems are very mystical in nature, and that is the theme, Uh, although we may appear different, but underlying theme, if we go a little deeper, we realize we are one with all.
2: That's a beautiful message. Hopefully that's that's heard loud and clear this weekend um, at the Shanskriti uh, event for uh, Bashanta Utsav. That's, so it's this weekend at uh, in Amherst
8: Middle School. Middle school.
2: Yes now uh Suharto for for a person who's not of the Bengali culture you mentioned it's it's very universal the universal theme of renewal and 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 observance of, of just the human experience but how else can can others that are not of of, of, of a Bengali background uh, observe or, or at least like respect those that are participating in this event
8: well you could just show up, show up and, and be say a, hello be a part of it and then be a part of it. Come one, and, come and exchange all. Exchange hugs.
2: <laughs> now, your involvement in Shanskriti is is long. You've been there just about as long as you've been here in Buffalo for for the Correct. four decades. Correct. How Correct. would you how would you describe uh, how the the Bengali culture has has changed throughout that time here in Buffalo? Has it? Has it I'm assume, I'm hoping that it's grown. has it has it evolved? How yes, evolved? it
8: has uh, it has blossomed. When I came here uh, forty years ago, uh, I could probably say that there were probably no more than few hundred. Uh, and now there's uh, more than thirty thousand. Uh, it speaks uh, to the community of Buffalo, how we make other people feel welcome. And it's truly a city of good neighbors. Uh, Ever since I stepped in uh, 40 years ago to go to University of Buffalo, uh, I never felt uh, different uh, or or somebody from another culture. Uh, The community is so easily absorbed uh, people like me. And this is one of the wonderful things about the community. you know, when I used to read the university perspectives, you uh, know, which uh, kind of claimed Buffalo was a city of good neighbors, you feel it when you are here.
2: Um, Sudharto, your bio on on the San crazy website says that you are known for your culinary skills. Now, oh
8: geez. Now, <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm, 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 now I'm putting you on the spot. What kind of food normally do we can we expect at uh, at Bashant Utsav?
8: The Bengalis are are really foodies, you know. Uh, there is a saying that the heart to each Bengali runs through their stomach. That, that's and, it, uh, I see
2: the universal aspect of, of Bengali culture there, <laughs> very evident.
8: So, you know, we, we love to cook, uh, you know, especially different forms of curry. And uh, one of the things uh, that Bengali is known for is uh, its uh, discriminating uh, palate, a palate for different types of seafood, uh, especially fish it's a land of rivers and canals uh, i grew up uh, with fish uh, twice a day and they were all fresh uh, from the market a lot of phosphorus uh, in your diet <laughs> not really <You> know? <laughs> those were those were i mean phosphorus are the good ones but you know those were those were good you know uh, good times uh, you know most of the uh, fish was naturally bred uh, in, in the ponds uh, and the and, uh, and the lakes and uh, people who don't know what uh, fresh fish is all about uh it's difficult to explain uh but you know there's nothing like like a fresh catch mm. and it's 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 beautiful so if anything that you know Bengalis thrive on is on fish and we have you know um, just like the french you know pair uh, different sets of wine with different dishes uh, we have different types of sauce for different fish uh, entrees uh, and and they're very distinctly different than the ones that we get uh, in in bengal
2: well i have to uh, i might i might have to drop by to, to partake of the of the the flavors <laughs> and sights of of poushant uh, utsav yes, yes suharto how does Pashanta Utsav pertain to to the celebration of holy.
8: There, they have the same underlying theme. Uh, you know, India is 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 a culture of uh, you know twenty two different uh, languages, and and if you see the Indian uh, uh, kind of uh, rupee, and you can see that all the different scripts that the, the word rupee is written
6: mm-hmm.
8: in. Um, so different, uh, you know, regions of India uh, celebrate spring uh, in, a, in a slightly different way, but the theme is is the same. It, it is to spread unity, love, and peace to all living beings.
2: And is there a proper greeting or or saying that you would say to one during Rashanta Utsav? Happy spring. <laughs> <laughs>
8: Not one particular uh, one, but, you know, we we always say, Namaskar, means, you know, I respect the soul inside you, and may you prosper.
2: I love that. Wait, it's not Namaste, it's Namash... Namaskar
8: is the Big namaskar. Mali version of Namaste. Namaskar. Yes, Namaskar,
2: yes. Well, Sudharto, Namaskar, thank you so very much for, for enlightening us a little bit namaskar, about... This, this wonderful and very, very colorful and, and, and beautiful holiday coming up.
8: Thank you. And, and, and just uh, one last thing, uh, on behalf of Sean Spiti, to all your listeners, we send you love and greetings of the festival.
2: We all certainly need that and more, so thank you, sir. Right back at you. Thank you. Suharto Ghosh, thank you very much for making the time for us today on Buffalo What's Next. Bye-bye. I'm Lorenzo Rodriguez, and on behalf of myself and Jay Moran, we thank our guests of Pure Inc., Sarah Taylor, and Sudharto Ghosh. You're listening to WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.